This is Clank Tealosa, and you're listening to Discography Discussion. You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 174, Believe Her, with Clank Dialosa of Clank. I just could not retain my colon at that point. It was just all bets were off. <laughs> and that's like, the opening of the show. <laughs> Hosted by Dan Terry. All right, bitch. And Joseph Wren. Yeah! Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if Thor dropped his hammer and Clank moved it, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Clank Dialosa is here. We're talking about Believer. Yes, we are. <laughs> this is exciting. This is a hard band to talk about because I just want to be like, it's good. All of it. Great. It's all great. Check it all out. You're, you're going to love it. Don't even worry about it. End of show, right? Uh, but uh, I think... I think there isn't a band whose impact on thrash metal or metal in general that, you know, it may not, it may not be a band that a lot of people at large have heard. And that's kind of a travesty. I agree. But the good thing is the fact that when they got on metal blade for a while, uh, and were releasing stuff that helped jump them into a whole different audience and just a bigger distro. You know, I, I guess I'm kind of jumping ahead by saying that, but I mean, look, the humble beginnings on REX back in the day. I mean, when those albums came out, they just smashed you in the face heavy. That's just what it was. And for me, you know, just because uh, growing up, I was not allowed to have anything in the house unless it was Christian. That was my parents. So it was like I'd go to my cousin Lance's house and he was I'd show up at his house with like Striper and Sandy Patty album covers. And he would give me like Dokken and Sabbath. Uh, and Terry, and just you know all kinds of heavy stuff king diamond merciful fate and uh you know it, it was just hearing that stuff for the first time just it floored me because you know like i said i, I was only allowed to listen to like the the stuff that my parents approved of and even then it was like oh these guys look like girls this can't be christian you know look at them they wear makeup and it was like dude make up your mind they got christian lyrics what the hell do you want you know just <laughs> But, dude, the, the music was just, it was so heavy, and it just, it spoke volumes to me, you know, just because of, and, and how technically uh, uh, advanced it was. The, the the musicianship, the songwriting, oh, man, dude, I don't know. It's just, that's why I said they were just one of those bands that excited me, and I and I was like, man, I I, I kind of play guitar, but it, it, that listening to that was like, I got to practice, and I need to practice every day. Just because I wanted, I wanted to be able to be on that level, and it took me—I <laughs> can't even tell you how long it took me. But <laughs> I, was like, I felt I was like, "Oh man, okay, I got the you know the down picking hand wrist going." And then you know, even they say never meet your heroes, never meet your idols. But having met those guys and, and spent some time with them over the years, and then bumping into them here and there, it was like they were always cool. They, there was you know, Kurt was always genuine. Joey was always cool. You know, we even got Kevin to do a solo on our song Manipulation on our Rise album. So it was like, even to this day, they're still cool, down-to-earth dudes that just write killer music. And I just I just hope that, you know, they keep putting out their installments of the newer stuff just so other people can still um, 
see what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially like the, I don't, I hate to use the term younger generation, but the people who might not know about them that stumble upon them and they go, oh man, this is like a, you know, this is like a diamond in the rough. You know, all that stuff was. I mean, dude, look, orchestrations back in the day with like the violins and the violas and, and the cellos and all that mixed with the, the, the thrash, nobody was doing it. It was so ahead of the curve, you know? And then when you throw the, the, the operatic vocals on top of it, dude, that was just like, stick a fork in me, I'm done. You know, was like, <laughs> I, just, I was like, you can't get any cooler than this. And I was one of those people. I was not aware of Believer as a band until sometime in the mid-2000s. In my guitarist journey, they're not a band that was ever on my radar. But then I hear them, and the question becomes, what are they doing that's not as good as what Slayer, Metallica, Megadeth did? Extraction from Mortality, the first record, which we're not there yet, but I'm hearing it, so I'm going to talk about it. It's straight ahead thrash onslaught. Play fast. Have a good time, guys. And we're going to bark at the mic. I'm here. Exactly. I'm in. And and you know what? I think the only difference between them and the Metallicas and all that stuff was the size of the label that they were on. You know what I'm saying? If, Absolutely. if they would have been on like Elektra or something like that at the time, I think they would have been huge. Well, they weren't They weren't small. Uh I know coming out on Rex, you know, that's kind of a small, was a smaller label. Um, I've actually got almost a complete set of all of the, uh, all of the REX recordings. Like I have almost every single one of them on cassette now. Um, there's just, wow. a, uh, just a few that I'm missing, but I'm trying to, trying to just collect the set, you know, but, uh, that was actually one of the best record labels back then for, you know, if you, especially if you're into Christian music, it had pretty much all of the bands. This is this is pre Tooth and Nail, pre Solid State, pre all of that stuff. You know, and um, this record absolutely blew me away. Just being, it's not just thrash. That's the thing. Like Joe, you were asking, you know, like, well, what what is different about this over, you know, like a Metallica or a Slayer? Um, I think it's the level of playing, the level of technicality on display even on that first record it's like it's like tech thrash you know like it's it's they're, it's like they're thinking with different numbers than we're thinking with yes absolutely and don't forget the stories in the past about how when they were writing some of their albums like some songs they were working on songs and they weren't sure what to do with some parts and they basically would roll dice <laughs> and like one song in particular i'm trying to remember the name of it I think it's on Dimensions. It's a and basically they would roll the dice, and depending on what number they had, like a chart, and whatever number it landed would be whatever note they would play. And I mean, it sounds so bizarre and so like Dungeons and Dragonsy, but it made the songs that much even more like like man, a song that was already kind of killer. When you heard the story behind it, like how they came up with some of this stuff, it was like, who does that? Who does that? They do. And it was awesome, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that first one was probably one of the first records I heard from Believer. No, I didn't I didn't hear it back in nineteen eighty nine because I would have been three. <laughs> well, you would have three, three or four years old, you know, uh, you know, and I, I would love for all of our listeners to think that, yes, I listened to that when I was three, but uh, I did not. Yeah, three year old uh, Dan called me and said, hey, dude, check this out. Well, it, like I was talking about, uh, I was recently on the As the Story Grows podcast and I was talking about how I had gotten into this type of metal somewhat later on in life, like, at, you know, at, almost after high school. 
and how I had crammed 30 years of metal history into just like six months. And so Believer <laughs> Believer was one of the first bands uh, from the earlier era that I checked out. And so I started uh, at the beginning with Extraction and it just, it, I'd never heard anything like it. I mean, because like you go back and you listen to a lot of their, the bands that were out at the time that they were. And they're just doing something completely off the wall. There's, there, there's no, there's no Christian music comparison chart uh, with a band like Believer. You know, there, there's no, oh, if you like Metallica, you like this. Well, maybe, but maybe not. You know, uh, and, and so I think even even throwing it into the category of thrash is almost a disservice. Like it definitely is thrash metal, but uh, but it's it's so much more than that just in the composition itself and that's that's really what what drew me to extraction and then obviously when sanity came out um this was it was almost on a completely different level yeah it was like these guys were already ahead of the ahead of the scene because they, they didn't like you said they didn't sound like anybody else so they put out this killer debut album and you know the sophomore curse is it just as good as the first one is it worse is it better they put out sanded now extraction will just always be my all-time favorite believer album just because it was you know so monumental at the time but every album after that progressed even with like sanity obscure it was just like man you upped your game you you know you did this you changed it around a little bit and then dimensions it was still it was like you know a little bit more with like you know the audio samples and the avant-garde technical thrash-esque-ness of it you know what i'm saying or it was just like they didn't want to be put in a box it wasn't just you know it didn't sound like death it didn't sound like like testament or nuclear assault you know it was they sounded like themselves and that was one of the things that um because they stood out because they didn't sound like anybody else and that's what you know drew people to them and drew me to them and just i don't know even like um man what was the what the heck? I'm trying to remember now. On the demo, have you guys ever heard the Believer demo? I have never heard it. I, I haven't been able to get a hell hold of it. I mean, I'm sure I could find it on I'm, Google, but I'm yeah. trying to remember. They had that one song that was on there, which was it was like, kind of like a nod to Metallica. It was like I forget because I'm not the biggest Metallica fan. It was the, it started off dun 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 it was just, it was just insane. And when I, and cause you know, Clayton actually had it. So he's the one that I had originally heard it from. Uh, and it was just like, dude, what, what the hell is this? Like, and he's like, dude, this is believer. It's these guys from Pennsylvania, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and it, ironically, Kurt Bachman is the one who got Clay signed as Circle of Dust to REX. He's the one who brought them into the, he's the one who brought him into the fold because Kurt kind of became like a rep, an East Coast rep for REX records. Yeah. Yeah, so, and oh, and speaking of REX Records and cassettes, did somebody say something about 1992 REX Records? Nice. Oh, <laughs> I, have, I have that. <laughs> not even the re-release, the original. No, no, no. My, mine is the original. It's it's not it's not the one he re-recorded. It was it was the the original version. It's funny That's too because awesome. there used to be a lot of debate. I'm sorry, Joe. This is off topic, but um, there used to be this debate. You know, early on in the early days of the internet, like, is that a re-recorded record or is it the like people couldn't remember because there were two versions of it. They looked identical, but yes. one says 1992 and one says 1995. And that's yeah. that's how you can tell whether you've got and they and they sound different. It's different different track listing and you know things like that. But that's just a little uh, little little COD. Uh. 
little the tidbit D- there. C-O-D-R-E-X uh, correlation. Absolutely. Well, and this is the big thing. So when, when Sanity Obscure came out, it was uh, released initially by R-E-X, and then all of a sudden Roadrunner picks the band up, which, you know, Roadrunner in 1990 was basically becoming... I think it was like them and Earache had like the best bands. Yes. That's right. It was Roadrunner. I said Metal Blade before, but I think they ended up on, I think they did a short stint on Metal Blade later on in their career, right? Yeah, they did. The newer albums were on Metal Blade. Yeah. But yeah, to get picked up by, to get picked up by Roadrunner that early into their career. I mean, somebody saw what we're talking about as far as this band being, and this is, this is right before death metal, like really, really started to hit. Yeah. So you had bands like Believer that were still like becoming rising stars in that scene because they were playing something new and something different. Um, and so this record, yeah, I feel like number one, it sounds better because like I have both of these records on tape. I actually don't have the CDs, not because like I'm a huge tape guy. It's just I just have them from <laughs> from years ago, and uh, and it could just be my tapes. But this record, like the production value, the way it was recorded, and everything, ten times what it was. Uh, on extraction. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry. You know, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I have because I have a, tri- a a believer trivia sort of thing. I can't remember if the name of the song is "Tormented" or if it's uh, it's from Extraction. I can't. I, I don't remember if it's "Tormented" or "Blemish Sacrifices." If you listen to "Telltale Crime" by Circle of Dust, that whole that wasn't played. That was sampled from the first Believer album, huh. played backwards, cut up, and manipulated by Clayton to make the main riff, which is Telltale Crime. That's interesting. Most yeah, most people don't know that. It's the one that's... Oh, man, of course, I'm totally brain-farting right now. I can't, I can't, remember, I can't remember if it's Blemish Sacrifices or... Uh, it might be Blemish Sacrifices, but yeah. Just and dude, again, you just—I could not find anything that had that tone back in the day. That extraction tone, like you could put any other thrash album or heavy, heavy metal album that came out at that point, and it was just better. A lot of it was better. And and you were talking about a little indie label from Nashville. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, how did these guys pull this out of their, you know, out of their hat? But they did. Yeah, it's just finding finding the right bands, and and I mean. With Believer, it's hard because, again, all I, all I really want to tell people is, dude, if you haven't heard Believer, like, what are you doing with your life uh, if you're into heavy music? Yeah, I mean, it took it took us three years to finally, you know, talk about them on the show because I've always gone back and forth with, like, how do I do this episode without just being a total fanboy and just being like, dude, they're, they've never put out anything bad. It's... <laughs> yeah, there, there's nothing to criticize. I know that's like a lot of what we do on the show is criticized, but there's not yeah. a lot to criticize. So with Sanity Obscure, like that record just absolutely blew me away. It's probably my favorite of the two early ones. Yeah. But I can tell you that once Dimensions came out, it was all over, man. It was like game over, like not yeah. in a bad way, but like a, this is what all this has been leading up to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and and just the or they up the game with the orchestrations on that. Like I said, with the the audio clips and samples, it was just it was just so brilliantly done. I mean, Kurt and Joey made such a great uh, writing combo, a good partnership. You know, it just it just goes to show 
uh, how the music stands up over the test of time. To this, I mean, here we are, what, 30 something years now, and we're here talking about them because they, they're that good, you know? Yeah, the intro for Dimensions is one of the craziest things I've ever heard. Um, and that's just gone. Uh, it's called Gone. Yeah. I, I, was, I was driving down here earlier and I uh, had my daughter in the car and I and I, I started playing this album and I, I kept kind of looking in the rearview mirror just kind of getting kind of a vibe of what she was thinking as she was hearing all these sounds and she kept kind of looking around like <laughs> and then like at one point she like laughed and then she stopped laughing like when the riff started <laughs> started coming in and then yeah. and then whenever she heard uh Kurt's voice she was just like oh uh what's going on here I mean and I drive around <laughs> I drive around with her to listen to heavy music all the time but this was so uniquely different sounding and, and created created such a vibe that even a little kid can listen to it and be like there's something very different about this and, and I I can't quite put my finger on it absolutely. I think the biggest elephant in the room as far as this album goes is the trilogy of knowledge that ends it all off, uh, which was their big orchestral. I mean, it's a, I don't like using this word because it's cheesy, but I mean, it's a, it's a straight up masterpiece. Sorry, I'm stuck on cat litter duty. I know that's not really metal. That's fine. <laughs> it's heavy in its own respect. <laughs> it is if you grinded it yourself by chewing it up into little tiny bits. There you go. Arr, arr, arr. Gritty kitty. <laughs> 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 I'm assuming because of the age gap and because you said you were three when it came out, you probably never got to see them live, did you? I did not. No. Absolutely not. You got me. I have this I thing called YouTube. I pulled it up once and watched the band play live. It was great. I tell you what, you pull up on uh, like Believer Live at Cornerstone. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Basically, because um, Scott, Scott Lard, Liard, I forgot how to pronounce his name. Liard was the key, the violinist, and he was a music teacher. And they did a gig at Cornerstone, and they basically brought his entire music class to do all the orchestrations live. Now you have, you know, they're all dressed fancy and stuff, and then hey, you got these dudes in like white t-shirts with like ripped up denim jeans <laughs> coming out. It was just such a contrast, but it was the stuff that folklore is written about you know what i'm saying like it's 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 amazing i mean it's it's too bad that none of the footage was actually like professionally recorded or whatever but it is it is great footage and i saw them in manhattan it was on like the it was in a uh, um a commercial building on like the third or fourth floor everybody was jumping and pogoing and I remember my buddies going, dude, we are going to fall through the floor and into the whatever's underneath us. <laughs> it, was, it was that insane. And that was uh, when Extraction from Mortality came out. And they played the entire the, the entire album. And it was, I was I was in my teens. And it was just, like I said, life-altering for me. It was just like, you know, <laughs> the holy grail. <laughs> See, I love watching the old school thrash bands play shows where the tape just doesn't look very good because it reminds me of classic 80s thrash and then i listen to the record it's 1993 it's dimensions it sounds like thrash metal didn't stop and i know metallica was about to say guess what guys we're gonna be alice in chains this year and <laughs> slayer would make a similar decision a few years later but what was the reason if we know it why did this band stop making music 
believer itself was the, I think it was well the the music business side always bites people plus um Kurt was heavily involved in um in like a trauma unit like he was hence the nickname trauma team that was the him and Joey's production but uh Kurt, Kurt is actually like uh extremely well educated worked in like a trauma unit you know and and basically does like genetic research cancer research and stuff like that like The dude is just he's brilliant and the best part about it is when somebody who's of that nature who's like an Einstein kind of guy but also so musically gifted and on top of that when you talk to them and you talk to him in particular he's got the you know the just total mellow down to earth vibe it was like man why why aren't these guys huger why have they why are they not living on a bus touring for three years at a cliff and you know times change you know it gets to a point where it was it's weird it was easier back in the day to make money uh to make a living i guess you could say if it was done right but now if you think with the with the explosion of the internet and the mp3 digital age and now the streaming you'd think because there's so much more avenues to get your music out now you think that it would be so much easier for bands to sustain them sustain themselves just doing music but that's actually farthest from the truth unless you already are a big established artist if you're already a big established artist and you're you know doing stuff DIY whatever and just uh licensing it to you know and not signing to a label but licensing for distro and stuff you you can stand to make so much more money and it just sucks that they were one of those bands that were you know after gru- grueling touring for for years and stuff they just you know they had they had to have other jobs to to sustain their to, their living and then you know life happens you know people have, get married have kids or whatever life kind of gets in the way so to speak but i'm just still glad they're you know they're still around <laughs> you know it might be in dribs and drabs but they're still around yeah there was a pretty big gap after dimensions where we just kind of assumed the band was gone completely and there was yeah. never going to be. I know there was a little bit of controversy. I think uh, a record label, I think it was retroactive, uh, re-released the earlier albums and they released uh, they released a bunch of bonus tracks of like demo versions or incomplete versions of the songs. And I remember Kurt getting on, getting on and getting like really I mean, he wasn't like a jerk about it, but he was just like, "Man, you know, I really wish people hadn't heard these because he so was so meticulous about his music and about and about the presentation to the fans that he was like yes. man I don't want I don't want people to hear my garbage takes and you know things like that um yeah. and I remember really feeling bad but I remember the thing that was really important about this and and not necessarily that um you know that he was talking about it but the fact that I was like oh he's engaging now about believer stuff I wonder what that's all about and then before we know it, Believers back, they're on Metal Blade and they're putting out a new album. Yeah, Gabe, that's right because then Gabriel came out. <clears throat> and Gabriel was the first one after the extended hiatus. And I like Gabriel. Gabriel was cool even though know, they had Howard from uh Killswitch. Yeah. Second song with them, but and then I I did Gabriel because like I said I'll always like everything Believer does, but Extraction, you know, all-time favorite, but all those years later after Gabriel like when Transhuman hit there's just something about that album too where it was just 
Kurt was singing a little higher. It's weird, too, because usually when people are younger, their vocal register is higher. And then as you get older, it gets a little lower. You know, you look at like Metallica, some of those bands like that. But Kurt, you look at like the most, like the later stuff, it seemed like he was, his vocal register was a little higher. Yeah. And that's something I made. I remember I, I, I had that album. I burnt an, uh, I burnt a CD when I was living up uh, in the mountaintop with my ex-wife. And I don't know, it was like six, eight months I didn't take it out of my CD player. I listened to it every day because it was like, it was just one of those albums that's so, I don't know, perfect-esque, you know, where you're just, you didn't have to bother taking it out. You didn't have to skip any songs. It was one of those albums that you could just, that I could just go through and be like, oh, this is so great. This is so great. This is so great. You know, and even even to this day, it's that's, like I said before, it just goes to show the, the longevity as um, uh, musicians, songwriters, and even like their um, studio skills, you know, just yeah. I, I I wish I wish some of the newer bands today had the drive and the hunger that like Believer had when they came out because when that when when they came out they they, they came out of the gate kicking, you know. And it was like there was other stuff, you know. You had like you know later on like the Deliverances and uh, Vengeance and all that stuff, and it was cool. But I think also. The East Coast and West Coast difference because West Coast thrash was, you know, like I said, like Vengeance Deliverance, but that down home East Coast vibe, you know, kind of like the, you know, the New York hardcore scene, you know, like certain movements, certain sounds. It's like you just can't hold a candle to it, you know. It's it was just, like less, less flash, I guess, so to speak, because like you look at a band like Deliverance, and and I mean, obviously, I love Deliverance also, but. They were a little bit more of like a like a stage band, like a you know like a a huge thing. It's not that it's not that Believer wasn't a full on production, especially later on as they went. But yeah, whenever they started, they just had I don't know the music just came always came across as a little bit more serious. I guess I don't know like down to earth, even yeah, though musically yeah. it was on another planet. You know, it was more honest because it was that young angst, that that you know aggression of youth. That's what I feel anyway, you know, because like when you put on that stuff, dude, it's like, man, uh, just listening to those riffs and stuff. So I just have vivid flashbacks of like playing handball with my friend Dan at the park with the giant boombox with this playing and people who they were all only into like Metallica, suicidal tendencies and whatever. They would be like, dude, what is this stuff? It was cool. And it was like they had no clue that it was like, you know, had uplifting positive lyrics or introspective thought-provoking lyrics you know yeah i appreciate how old school this record sounds this came out in 2009 i was complaining about bands that make way more money than i ever will releasing (laughs) records that will sell many more copies than any record i have been a part of will ever sell in theory and the records sound thin and artificially digital and just overall don't sound good. Yeah. And then King Diamond decides he's going to put out Midnight. And <laughs> it sounds like a record that came out in the 80s but was recorded on a MacBook because the guitars are very clean. They're very much modeled. It sounds like a record that was made on the cheap, but it didn't sound as bad as some of those other albums that came out in the mid to late 2000s. This record sounds like 
a band from the 90s paid for studio time, and when the engineer tried to mix it like 2009, they said, no, dude, here, listen to this, and they hand him a copy of, of fucking Dimensions and say, it needs to sound like that. Yes, yes. So it's just thin enough, and it doesn't try to be firepower, which sounds like a heavy metal record that came out in 2018. It sounds like a band that just picked right back up where they left off. And that, to me, is so good in 2009 when they could have easily thrown in bass drops and so many other tricks of the trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because then you get caught up in the... um, I don't want to say trend, but the the sounds of the times... You know what I'm saying? Like, because look, when like new metal hit, it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. There was some bands, you know, you had like Orgy and some other bands and whatever that did some cool stuff. But then everybody started to sound like, you know, Trust Company came out and was like, hey, do you like Linkin Park? Well, here's a even more commercialized version. We're going to call them Trust Company. And here is this. And, and not that that stuff is bad per se, but it was that whole, you know, look, Linkin Park came out, got really popular. And then you had these kind of clone or similar sounding bands in the same genre. I mean, labels did that. All labels did that. You know, like, I mean, you know, oh, oh Metallica's really big. Well, let's get this band that sounds like Metallica or, you know, Slipknot's is, is good. So we're going to get this other band that sounds kind of like them. It's just, it's just how the industry works. But some bands, like, they just stood out and they didn't have that copycat vibe. And Believer was one of those ones that no matter how many bands tried to emulate them or or feed off the influence of them they they could never really capture the same gloriness you know what i'm saying of, of the believer albums in my opinion well clank <laughs> you mentioned trust company are you saying you've never tried to release an album with all whispered vocals <laughs> i don't think so not yet anyway. <laughs> no no but uh but you know it's uh, you know sign of the sign of the times, like you said. You certain you know every band's putting in bass drops and this and that. It's just you know, some some label some bands you can pull up an album and you can say, oh, this totally sounds like it was released in '99. This totally sounds like it's 202. This totally sounds like it's 1918 or whatever. But you also when labels and stuff started changing with the burst of the digital age, labels also said, well. We're not giving bands 30 grand to do an album anymore. We're not going to give a band 50 grand with a 30 grand marketing budget anymore. Now it was like, can you do this for like a thousand bucks or $3,000 or, hey, I know a guy with a MacBook Pro in his house and an interface. Good. We're going to go record at his house. I mean, it just, you know, the, the pluses and the minuses of technological advancements. You know, it is what it is. Well, in the <laughs> home the, recording the side of everything got so much better when everyone figured out how to do it there was this gap where we were still figuring it out but it was way cheaper than it would have been back in the mid to late 90s but then you had major label bands recording records that unless somebody tells me different i can only assume were mixed badly on purpose because they were either trying to save money or they were trying to rebel against the mp3 pirating that was going on insert name of peer-to-peer file transfer service yeah <coughs> limewire <coughs> kazaa <laughs> morpheus i know too many names to be credible yeah you can still pirate music on soul seek i think i think that one's still around going strong don't, don't, 
Yeah. You know, Clank, that's a really sick beard you got going on there. Right? <laughs> it's, co it's coughing all these weird names of peer-to-peer -peer sites. It's awesome. <laughs> Pirate Bay. Pirate Bay. I think that uh, one's still around. <laughs> I think I actually clicked on a Pirate Bay link one time. And then I got a letter from my cable company like the next day. They're like, don't go there. <laughs> yeah. Like, really funny. yeah. This might have been an error, but if it wasn't, we're watching. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, we know. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. We've assigned you your own personal FBI agent. <laughs> <laughs> we're like the Veggie Tales. We're watching everything you do. I feel bad for That's that guy. <laughs> I feel bad for that guy that had to watch all my web activity. Like, wow, this dude just watches old grainy footage of bands from the 90s like, play play for hours and hours and hours. This one guy, he's got this huge beard, and he's so metal. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, and so Gabriel wasn't it, though. I mean, and I think I think it was really smart. Uh of Metal Blade to pick them up. I think I think they realized, you know, kind of what they what they had. And uh, I mean, they had obviously no problem returning as a band, and they didn't have to work their way up. They went right to Metal Blade, and uh, I, I don't know if they're still with Metal Blade or not, but we did get another album by them. Uh, we we did get another album by them called Transhuman in 2011. Yes, that that one's still. I still have the, the chipped CD in my car. That, you know, now a certain song skipped because it's been beaten to death for so many years. <laughs> but Transhumanity, you touched on a good point. You said, like, we didn't hear anything from Believer at it for a while. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, out now. Believer on Metal Blade. Not many bands have the longevity or the um, command, I guess you could say, uh, the, the demand where... Okay, like most people go, well, what was your last album? How many sales did you put out? What did you tour? You know, Believer didn't, they, they did tour a decent amount in the beginning, but as time went on, you know, they didn't tour as much. And then here you go, I was a band that pops out of nowhere with uh, uh, Gabriel. And then, you know, three years later, uh, three years later, um, Transhuman comes out. And it was the same thing, like, it wasn't cheaply done. You know, they had like, they spent a lot of time with the, with, for the album covers. And, and I, don't, I don't know if you've seen on uh, um, YouTube, but they go through the makeup process, the model that they use to, to do the makeup for, for the album covers. It's it's cool. That and even like the, 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 the EP releases, the two song ones, it's like they're one of those bands that if you love them, you freaking love them. If you don't like them, you know, there's it's some people are never like, oh, I kind of like Believer. It's like if you love them, you really love them. And, you, you know, you believe, you believe Believer, so to speak. And that's what, you know, Transhuman was a great, for me, it was a great jump from, um, oh, I just brain farted, Gabriel. <laughs> it was a great jump from that because it was like, hey, we're just reminding you, not only are we still here, we have all our chops in place. We still have all our songwriting in place. We still have our production and we still kick ass as a group, you know? Totally. And this one was kind of a marked departure from Gabriel. You know, it was... Um, a little bit more, a little bit more melodic vocals, a little bit more, um, I don't want to say like mainstream cause that's, it's really not that either because it doesn't, it's not like the songs are melodic, they're catchy, but they're not like tropey, I guess, you know, like they're not like cheesy melodic. <clears throat> yeah. It's not like a power pop ballad. It has like songs like lie awake. You, you can't not sing along with it, you know, um, just, I don't know. Like I said, that stayed in my car for so long. 
in the CD player not coming out because it almost seemed like every time I listened, I seemed to be picking up different things that I never noticed before. Whether it was like little guitar lines, little samples, sound bites, little things they did. It was just, it was layered so well that it was just, you know, it, it was constantly like a Pandora's box. You know, one of the things every time you listen to it, you're like, wow, I never noticed that before. Wow, I never noticed that either. You know, and like you said, you know, not as thrashy, you know, but I think, first of all, there's only there's only a handful of bands that can put out the same album. You know, Slayer is one of those bands, not knocking Slayer, but Slayer is, you know, Slayer, Slayer, Slayer. They, they want to be, you know, they, if you look at their albums, they're very similar as far as, you know, like six super fast songs, maybe one or two like medium tempo ones, but it's, it's always the same thing with Believer. It was like, you got to see the growth as musicians and songwriters, yet they didn't, they didn't really, I don't want to say they didn't deviate from their sound, but they, they didn't tarnish their past by cheesing out, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Like they advanced with the times and when they wanted to bust out the heavy, heavy, they busted out the heavy, heavy, but they showed the maturity in songwriting and, and craftsmanship and what they did and I, I i just you know i'm a fan so i can i can never say anything really bad about them just just because of you know every album stands on its own from 30 something years ago for the extraction even to the you know the to the installment releases that they've had over the last couple of years <clears throat> yeah the installment releases have been interesting i mean we got three of them uh in 2017 and we never got the other two. And I would assume that this is not done through a label at all, as far as I can tell. I think this is all no, just it's them. All, yeah, it's all them. And that was the thing, too, because they were saying, um, according to Kevin, he said that they weren't, they were, at the time, they weren't trying to find a label because they didn't want the pressure. They wanted to do things on their terms, like basically not have any restrictions or or you know this has to be done by a certain point that's why they said you know what we're going to do this ourselves we'll release it when it's all done and they have let's say the five to five installments then they were talking about um possibly bringing it to some labels i know because of they, who they are and their sales and their uh discography their you know the legend that is believer there will always be bands, uh, labels, and interest in them. It's just a matter of what label really likes them enough or interests them enough to make it worthwhile. Because, you know, this day, if, if you have good marketing, do DIY, you can make a lot of money. You can do pretty good if you have a, a, a bank account that you can draw off of for your marketing. You don't necessarily need a major unless it's like a co-op deal, like with, you know, Pavement or somebody just for distro. You know, you you can stand to make a lot of money, but that it's the same thing though. Where no labels putting up thirty grand for you. Now you're putting up all the money. You're putting up the money. You're writing the songs. You have to manufacture it. You have to get everything in place, and then you know whatever your marketing budget and your marketing uh, plan is going to be. Labels want to know all that, even if they're just doing distro. Because even if they say, well, hey, we're just going to slap our label on it and get it into stores, they want they want to know that there's going to be some kind of return. You know, and so that's why, like, Kevin was like, yeah, well, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, we've had some people contact us. We're not really concerned with that right now because we're not following a set schedule or guideline. And look, it's evident. It's been a couple of years since we've gotten the last installment. But at the same point, they're not done. They've, you know, I've, but actually three of the guys work at Stout's Brewery now in Pennsylvania. 
So it's like, it's funny because I'm like, man, you guys are together on and off during the day. I'm like, all you need to do is get together a couple of nights during the week and, you know, lock it down, man, lock it down. And I'm like, yeah, you know, we will when it's time. And and that's one of the things I've, I've come to appreciate from them is they're not, you know, they're not rushing to beat a deadline. They're not like, you know, every year, like clockwork, you have to have a release. They're like, hey, we're going to do it on our own. And if people are cool with it, cool. And if they're not cool with it, cool. Also, because they're not, they're trying to be true musicians as far as at the end of the day, they want to please themselves with it. They need to make themselves happy. And of course, you want other people to like this stuff and be happy as well. But it's not about that after a while, especially if you're, you've been doing this for this long, you know, and you've had that much longevity in, in, uh, in, in the business, so to speak, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you've got a band that never did anything that they didn't want to do. You know, exactly. all, all we hear day in and day out doing this show, listening to other shows, it's all these horror stories of, oh, we had to do this because the label got it, you know, wanted us to do this. Or, you know, we, we were in this scene and we didn't want to be in this scene. Or we, you know, we, we had this happen or we got labeled as this. And we got, you know, like, and uh, with Believer, you just don't have a lot of that drama. Like yeah. I said, the only the only drama that they ever really had was was Kurt being like, "Man, I really wish people didn't hear my outtakes." Like that's not really, yeah. you know, uh, that that's not really drama in the traditional sense. And they used to do a lot of touring in Europe. And the thing is, you know, like in Europe, they're big on beer. And I remember like the religious following freaking out on them. Ugh. There was pictures of them. They were drinking at a festival. That you know, and it was like, dude. You know, I mean, that's one of the trappings of being labeled a, a Christian band in the religious music scene, whatever, is you have the people, you know, you're human. So God forbid you smoke a cigarette. God forbid you have a beer or enjoy a drink because some people, they think you have to be in this goody, goody molded image. And that's that's not the case. People are humans, you know, and I mean, I don't know who doesn't like beer, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's at the same point, it's like, their whole thing was like, hey, you know what? It's not about, it's about the music first and foremost, you know? And that's and that's one of the reasons why to this day, you know, Metal Blade and these other labels have the interest in them is because they never caved in. They did things on their own terms and people, like I said, either they loved them or hated them for it. You know, like, like a lot of those bands back in the day, they, they carried the flag. You know, they got boycotted for, oh, you know, the drummer was smoking or they had a couple of beers at the at the hospitality tent. I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, it, it, whatever, you know, I mean, it's just stupid when when people tarnish, they try to tarnish the music or take away from the music because of something of that nature, you know? And that's why, I don't know, that's why it's like back in the day, you only, it's not like when you had social media where everybody knows everything about everybody. They know how many ply toilet paper you use. They know what store you <laughs> shop on. Back in the day, you had to wait for like Hit Parade or Metal Edge, Kerrang! or whatever to find out, you know, what so-and-so says or, you know, here's what Kurt and Joey said in their interview. The interviews and stuff like that was few and far between. So there was more of the aura of mystery, like with celebrities and musicians and rock stars. Now it's like, I mean, it is what it is. It's the time. So you have Instagram and Facebook and, oh, yeah, look at me at Costco and I'm here and I'm there. Right. You know, a, little bit, a little bit of the mystique of, of the, the uh, rock stars and musicians or whatever is gone because now, you know, it, you, everything is just so in your face. That was one of the also one of the purities back then is because you always wanted to know more, but you had to wait to see what was going to be told either in a magazine, a fanzine, even like, you know, those 
seven-page stapled fanzines that you would get where you would find about all the underground music that nobody was talking about. But that's how you found out about it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I used to do a magazine like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was all internet, though, but yeah, it was along the same lines. But yeah, so with Believer, I mean, I guess at this point, are are we at final thoughts, Joe? Did we make it? Final thoughts on Believer. Clank Dialosa. <laughs> Man, my only final thought is anybody who's never heard of Believer needs to check them out. They're, you know, they're on all over social media, on your streaming sites, they're on CD Baby and Bandcamp and all that. And they're they're one of my favorite bands, and it's for a reason. You want to know why? Listen to them. <laughs> Dan, what about you? I think Believer is one of those bands that, again, like I said earlier in the episode. If you're into thrash metal and you've never heard Believer, what are you even doing with your life? They're one of the best bands to check out, whether you like Christian music or not. Um, some people debate as to whether they're Christian music or not. Honestly, it doesn't matter to me. They are one of the bands that you absolutely need to talk about and you need to share with your friends. So yeah, Believer, man. Just just believe it. I think Believer is one of the most important, underrated thrash bands that is right in front of your face, but you are not listening to them for some reason. I know because I was one of those people. I never listened to the band and then found them out of nowhere. Once again, I get to put a band on the list and say, I thought I had all the bands. I clearly did not. Here is Believer playing thrash consistently through their career. So if you're a fan of thrash metal, If you like heavy guitars, if you love double bass drumming, check out Believer. Dan, what's your album of the week? My album of the week, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to say it. It's Gabriel by Believer. I actually didn't really like it when it came out that at first, but it's really grown on me since this listened through. Clank Dialosa, what about you? My album of the week, I'm still stuck on, I think it's called The Reckoning by Scold. I'm a Tim Scold fan. It's industrial. I think it's called The Reckoning. For me, it's Tyrant of Death. Nuclear nanosecond. Nice. What do you do when you've listened to the Doom 2016 soundtrack too much? You listen to the Doom Eternal soundtrack, and then you go home and play Doom Eternal. What do you do after that? You listen to Tyrant of Death. I'll get right on that. Well, Clank... Thank you so much for talking to us tonight about Believer. Uh, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. I love you guys. Yep, love you too, man. <laughs> love Have a you, good man. Night. Talk to All you right, later. Good. Take care, brothers. You too. Peace. Thanks again to Clank Dialosa for coming on the show tonight. Clank had to drop out of this episode at the last second, but uh, we got pretty much everything that we could possibly ever want to know about Believer from Clank, and we want to thank you so much, Clank, for coming on the show again. And uh, this will not be the last time you hear from Clank Dialosa. Take us out, DFT. If you've ever been listening to our show and thought to yourself, man, I really wish you guys would talk about this other band that you've probably never heard of or never mentioned, send us a message. There's uh, so many different places you can send us a message. That includes Facebook, facebook.com slash discography discussion, Twitter at Discuss Metal. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on our Discord server. There will be a link in the show notes for that. You can also visit our Teespring store where we have some discography discussion merch on sale right now. And on that note, this has been episode 174 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. 
You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me that money. One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. 